Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Sometimes all that matters is that you win the game. And when Phoenix went to the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight and played, it it didn't seem like it was a game that necessarily they were very engaged with, Matthew. It looked like they were just kind of sleepwalking. And unfortunately, we don't like to use that moniker, but we do all too often of playing down to the level of your competition. The Suns were careless with the ball, didn't really kind of put forth the effort. A lot of cross-course passes, as they were noting on the broadcast, and then Big Dick yeah. Book shows up and just says, <laughs> "You know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna carry this team. Everyone, yes. hop on my dick. I'm carrying you across the finish line." Ooh. And then in the fourth quarter, God, the Suns man. showed up. So uh, a big win for the Suns, of course, winning uh, by a score of I don't even have it up. Let's see, it's one six or one eighteen to ninety nine against the Timberwolves. We are now twenty two and eleven on the season, Matthew. Yeah, I'm very happy to see Book at forty. I feel like a lot of times in these games. He, I mean, in the past, the Suns would lose, of course, and then he maybe would not get 40. But this season, I like to see him get that 40 mark. And it's nice to see it in a game where he had to come out. He had to prove that the Suns are the better team. He had to lead them. It's not a waste of energy. It's just book being book and having to win the game for the Suns. And that's exactly what he did today. And we needed it. So I accept it. I don't want to save it for the Lakers game. Just get it over with and get this win. Yeah, get this win. Of course, you have the opportunity for this to potentially be a a trap game, knowing that the Suns play the Lakers on Tuesday. But they handled their business, albeit in an ugly fashion. At the end of the day, when you look at the record and you see 22-11, and you don't sit there and say, well, that was an ugly win or that was an unfortunate loss. You go, that's 22 wins and 11 losses. And that's what matters for the Phoenix Suns right now. As we'll see the outcome, obviously, I believe the – the Lakers are beating the Golden State Warriors right now, but this is going to put us yeah. essentially percentage-wise in a tie with the Los Angeles Clippers for the third seed because they're 24 and 12 and we are 22 and 11. So that puts us puts us in that tie there. So makes it for a, a lot of exciting hype heading into Tuesday's game. But we're going to talk about everything that happened tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves on this episode of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. So thank you, Jamsters, for joining us. As per usual, we truly appreciate it. Make sure if you are watching on YouTube that you press the subscribe button, you hit the thumbs up button, give us a like, and you can hit that little notification bell as well. We're close to 800 subscribers, so maybe you could be the 800 subscriber. If you're listening on the Bright Side Podcast Network, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter, and you can follow Matthew. At Matthew Lissy. And I thought I'd wear my, my legendary book shirt uh, today just to celebrate the fact that he went for a season-high 43 points. So plenty to talk about with the Jamster faithful. Thanks for joining us. Crack them if you got them. Just going with the old-fashioned Kurz Light tonight. Not in my fridge. Sorry. I would reach over there and grab it, but it's an inch out of the way. Go ahead. A L- little Crack too far? It. Yep. Crack it. All right. And let's talk about this Suns victory against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Phoenix goes to Minnesota after winning a game in the fourth quarter against the Chicago Bulls and have a lackluster first three quarters, uh, turn the ball over plenty, didn't really seem super engaged. Uh, But at the end of the day, you look at the Phoenix Suns and what their current record is at that 22 and 12. And you have to appreciate the fact that the Suns in the month of February were 12 and 13. And this is a team that won 19 total games in an entire season 
two seasons ago. And they are now 1-0 and in the purple jerseys. Matthew, we finally got to see the purple <laughs> yeah. jerseys tonight. Thank God. Yeah, it's like we kind of just barely missed them. I mean, I I missed them definitely. But when they're on the court, I mean, it looks good. It's a good color on them. It's a good design. It, you can't really complain. The white is a little bit kind of bland. But it's good to see the purple back, man. We got a good rotation now. I'm not sure what took so long and what the reason is to why we had to wait for the purple. But I'm glad it's back and back in the rotation. Yeah, I think the Valley jerseys, there's so much hype behind that design. And obviously, we love it. We typically, it's it's funny, we're both not wearing the Valley hat tonight. We almost always wear it, and we both chose a different hat tonight. So, not, <laughs> yeah. not rocking yeah. those. Uh, but exactly. I think that the fact that those jerseys are pretty dominant thus far this season, uh, this is our first opportunity to see the Suns in purple outside of a couple games that they played in the preseason. But they looked great doing it. And then everything kind of went hay- haywire. I think to start the game, it just you had a, a very weird vibe knowing that five of the fi- the first six shots for the Phoenix Suns were from <laughs> Frank Kaminsky. Like the, yes. the offense was going through Frank Kaminsky. And it's one of those questions we kind of are con- consistently contemplating. And it's actually a piece that I'm working on for brightsideofthesun.com. So if you folks get a chance, head over to brightsideofthesun.com. That's where you can read what both Matthew and I put forth we we talk here we write there and the the title of my article tomorrow is, is you know to frank or not to frank that is the sun's question and it's that continual debate should he be starting should we be playing matchups you know what have you and not only did he start tonight but the entire offense was running through him what was up with that yeah it was him and book basically getting things going later on it was Aiden and book running the offense but having frank Going through Frank was actually very, very funny to watch. He wasn't shy in shooting the ball. The last game he played, I thought he was kind of a ball hawk in the first quarter. This time it was like made a little bit more sense. He had a lot of mismatches underneath, so he tried to use his 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 strength and his his tallness against the other <laughs> defender. But he he did a great job though, even though he missed a couple shots and stuff. But he kept going back at it. That's just how comfortable he is in the system, how confident he is. And even if he only plays the fifteen to sixteen minutes, him starting for some reason is just good for this team. Whether it was ugly or not, I mean, there was a lot of cross court passes in this game. I know that EJ said I've never seen so many cross court passes in my life in one game. And yeah, I all those errant passes were kind of crazy to watch. But having Frank at the helm just kind of you know, get going offensively was kind of weird to watch, dude. I was, I was very surprised by his presence underneath to go, to get going. Yeah. I don't think any of us necessarily started it or, uh, I mean, saw, saw that it was going to be the way that we started the game. And, uh, knowing that he didn't really do so in an athletic manner, uh, was kind of frustrating, but at the same time, like, you know, the argument is, okay, well, you know, Jay Crowder can also start and, and he had, a very rough game for Jay. This is probably oh. the worst that we've seen Jay play the entire season. He ends the night with a, a total of zero points coming off the bench in 27 minutes, three turnovers, and it felt like it was a lot more, right? It was a lot more. Basically, every time he touched the ball, it's like it turned to stone. It was basically either going off his hand out of bounds with him and Book trying to go for the same rebound. It goes out of bounds. It was just he had bad luck, dude. It was one of those nights, and I think EJ even said it again, not to quote him all the time, but players like this always have games like this. Not always, but they'll always have one or two games like this during the season, and it it is true. It was just one of those games where you don't want him to have the ball. Uh, Zero points, but he did I mean, he did help underneath, I feel like, defensively at, at times, so it wasn't a complete waste of minutes. But just offensively, wasn't going his way. A lot of like really careless passes. Like he kind of didn't see where he was passing the ball. A lot of them were actually to the other defender very blatantly. So it was very funny to watch him. Not funny at the time, but now it's just like, what the hell was that, Crowder? That game was pretty pretty insane for you to actually go out there and only put up zero points and turn the ball over that many times. Well, I feel like seeing as he was in Minnesota, that he was channeling his inner, I don't know, Kirk Cousins if you will, just throwing a lot of interceptions cross court, not seeing the defensive back cutting across the court. And it was leading to some easy points for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You look at how the first half played out from a turnover standpoint, the Minnesota Timberwolves and Suns both had 10 turnovers in the first half, but the Suns had two points off of those turnovers because they were just not running the fast breaks, right? They were getting themselves caught. And and on some of those turnovers, they were returning the ball over. And the Minnesota Timberwolves had 14 points off of those turnovers. So, you know, in a game that was close, closer than it should be, the one thing that was really keeping them in was the fact that the Suns were 
allowing them to score off turnovers. The game, both teams had 16 overall turnovers. So in the second half, they both had six each. The Suns scored on eight points off their turnovers, and the, the Timberwolves had 22. So of their 99 total points, 22 of them came off of turnovers from the Suns. Not necessarily what you want to see. No, not at all. And a lot of those turnovers, too, weren't always the guy that was passing the ball. The player that was passing the ball would sometimes, of course, lead it a little bit lazy, but the guy coming to get the ball was very, very late getting there, not trying to make an effort. Acting like, I mean, this game basically it summed it up. It was pretty much like you playing 2K and just playing against easy mode and just trying to throw random shit everywhere and yeah. see what sticks. That's exactly what it seemed like. And I mean, the, the Wolves weren't having it at first. And they kept talking about new coach trying to get his first win. So maybe that's something to motivate these guys. But then, of course, you see how the Suns are a better team. But the Wolves themselves, this is like the Suns in the past where you're watching the Suns back then. Like, oh, we have a chance to be one of the best teams in the West. And it just it goes south very quickly. And a lot of that has to start with the turnovers. It's just, you know, the better team always comes out and like, OK, well, let's just chill out, stop trying to force the ball for no reason, just move it around, find your spots on the floor, and that's what they did in the end, dude. Yeah, and that's what's impressive, and you kind of knew it the whole time you were watching this game, that the Suns were playing horrible. They are turning the ball over, they weren't engaged, they were missing three-pointers. I think they were one for nine in the first half as it pertains to turnovers, or I'm sorry, three-pointers, uh, two for 11, I'm sorry, two for 11. So 18% from deep in the first half, and they were still leading, and that's what happens when you play a team that's won or yeah, won a total of seven games and lost the last seven in a row. Yep. They're just not a quality opponent. And I think that's what's frustrating for Suns fans when you go ahead and, and you watch this team. You think that instantly, like we should be up 20. And that's just not how it always necessarily works. We were in control of this game the entire time. We just didn't do it in a pretty fashion. And then of course Devin Booker goes crazy in the in the third quarter, and that's really what kind of seals the deal. And we'll get to that momentarily. One thing that I noticed that I wanted to ask you a couple questions on this was the fact that each one more was the first off the bench <laughs> to replace CP3 instead yeah. of campaign. And I know we talked a little bit about it on our last podcast relative to campaign and how he's been just kind of off a couple games lately. Mm -hmm. Hasn't really been in Monty's favor, although he's somebody who we know that Monty is a fan of. Uh, he brought him back for the bubble and bubble campaign was a fantastic performer and he had a really solid start to the season until he tweaked his ankle were you surprised that Monty pulled the trigger on finally putting in Etwan Moore over Cameron Payne um I don't know if I'm surprised I, I just kind of get weirded out with the situation I kind of want to see campaign fight his way through this slump he's in because I feel like it's the best way to just get on the court and play through it unless you're of course sticks who you know he's a rookie he's gotten to have time to learn I mean, Payne does a pretty good job on the on the offensive end. I feel like running the second unit, just his decision making and just like jumping up in the air, passing it to nobody. He was doing that a lot, a lot of mistakes and a lot, meaning two or three. But in minimal minutes, that's a lot. So he honestly, he had, I feel like, to go back out there. And I feel like he has to be the first point guard off the bench. Um, I don't know. Etwan Moore, Etwan Moore to me, I think... I mean, maybe you agree too. Maybe he's playing the two guard too. I mean, he's usually in there when there's another point guard. So him coming in to play point guard, I feel like it's kind of a weird thing at first. So maybe that's not the whole thing this season. But for me, I feel like he's more of a two. I like to see, um, I like to see Galloway too as well. But I just want Payne to come back in. I want him to continue to see if this is going to be the guy that we that we have to have going into the playoffs as our backup point guard because we got to figure that out because Chris Paul is going to need some more rest, of course, towards the end of the season. And we just need that consistency. And it, he hasn't had it, but I want to see him kind of play his way through it. I completely agree. And this is one of those. That's why I wrote it in my notes. I'm like, oh, man, he's Monty has finally made the decision to move away from campaign and, and try Etwan Moore out and just see what that does for the Suns offense. And Etwan Moore, the, the minutes that he's been receiving thus far this season typically come when Booker is on the court. It, it's generally CP3 with... Uh, with campaign and then it flips with Booker and Etwan Moore and that allows Booker to play a little bit more of the point guard position but it's really something that I want to see our campaign an opportunity to prove himself this team is still winning games they're not losing because of our lack of point guard depth and that was one of the things that we really were questioning coming into this season is what is going to be the solution to CP3 moving forward into this season and if you know, you know, knock on wood, if he gets hurt, who's the guy who's going to carry that load? And 
I was really I'm hoping it's campaign because I, I I like him. I know you like him. I think a lot of the Suns fans like him. I like that he's more of a distributor. I like his quickness, his ability to get to the rim, his three point shooting, even though it's a funky looking looking shot, it still goes down. But it's something that isn't necessarily short up for the Suns. And this is one of those Monty thing. Monty really likes to play with his toys and and see what works. And hopefully we get to that point where he's like, okay. This is what the Suns' rotation needs to be, and and granted, you know, this is game thirty-three out of seventy-two for the for the team. So he's going to tinker and he's going to try different things. And when you're playing it against an opponent like Minnesota, why not throw Etwan more out there? I mean, he's somebody who is has been productive. He's just not necessarily as much of a playmaker. That's why he generally gets paired with Book because you can run the po- the point Book minutes. So it'll be interesting seeing moving forward how we address that backup point guard position. Because yeah, you you Javon Carter's not getting any minutes. Uh, as Brandon Buford in the chat asks, you know what happened to Gallo? I mean, we haven't seen Langston Galloway in quite a few games. The the depth of this team, we potentially could use all 15 guys. So I'm okay not seeing Langston Galloway and Javon Carter, knowing that at some point this season they will be called upon because somebody will get injured. Um, But it's still just really interesting to see kind of how he's trying his different uh, rotations and his minutes. And you hope at some point that you can really shore it up you know, perhaps we can just ask Ricky Rubio to hop on the plane with us to L.A. <laughs> and then he could be the backup. You know, we, we were talking before we came yeah. on the podcast about what would it take to get Ricky Rubio back here. And unfortunately, because he makes 17 million dollars a year and the Suns have a lot of amazing contracts, you know, kudos to James Jones. If you go down the line, let's oh, see here. Javon Carter, three point nine million. Abdel Nader's one point seven. Etwan Moore, Frank Kaminsky, Langston Galloway, all one point six you just can't use those as poker chips to get Ricky, but wouldn't it be great if Ricky was the backup point guard? Man, I mean, Ricky really is kind of like the missing piece, really, for the Suns. I mean, besides uh, Aiden coming in and just playing the way he did tonight, but Ricky would be perfect back- backup point guard because I think even last year, Dave King used to say it a lot where he's like, Ricky, he's more like of a backup point guard. And maybe I'm wrong. He said that, but I swear I heard him say that where he's a backup. He can play a lot of minutes, but he's good as a backup. And I think he would be perfect next to Chris Paul to give him those extra minutes that Chris Paul needs for rest to where he's not going to have to make up or where he can make up those assist numbers. You don't keep the offense going like Ricky was awesome here, man. And I don't know if Ricky, of course, would want to be a backup point guard, but he was to start the season with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now he's been a starter. I think this is his 12th game in a row where he's actually been a starter. It doesn't improve the winning percentage there in Minnesota. But here, of course, him coming off the bench would definitely just sure up, you know, what are we going to do with the backup point guard besides Tyrese Alliburton, who we could have maybe drafted, but I thought campaign was that answer. And I thought campaign was that guy to where that's why we didn't draft Halliburton because we thought campaign would be that backup point guard. Um, I don't want to be too negative at all. Maybe he needs a day off or so to learn and to rest or something to get back. But Ricky Rubio himself, man, that would be the problem solver right there. Yeah, I really agree. And I know there's a couple people in the chat who say otherwise. And there's a lot of people who in, in the chat who agree with us. And um, um, he could totally be an amazing backup point guard. He's in his ninth year. His athleticism isn't elite, but his playmaking skills uh, are above average. And he's exactly what you need at the point guard position as a backup. You know, campaign, he's going to continue to have opportunities to try. It just looks that like right now, uh, Monty's going to go the other way. He's going to give Etwan Moore some opportunity to try it out and see if he has the playmaking ability and to find that sustained offense because the Suns' second quarters have really been troublesome over these past eh, about five games. We really have yeah. a hard time. And that was our strength at the beginning of the season is this team, the, the, the starters couldn't get it together. And then the second team unit led by campaign would slaughter the opposition. And then the starters would come back in and, and feed off of that energy and just kind of keep the ball rolling. And now it's kind of gone the other way. It's the starters are coming in and providing that offense. And then the second team, you just can't get it together. So Monty will continue to tinker with those rotations in an effort to try to find what is working for this team. Um, what about that Dario Sarge step back three? Oh, man. I, I put that in my notes, the step back Dario. You I mean, when you hit that, you know you're going to win a game, whether you're playing Minnesota or the Lakers. If Dario's hitting the step back three, everything's going great, especially the way he ended the game, right, with hitting those couple threes just to seal the deal. I mean, we were already up by 20, but still, it's just fun to watch. Him and Frank, when they do those – I think, did Frank have one too? Frank kind of had a step back, but kind he missed of, his. But it wasn't, but it wasn't nearly as, as slow motion Dario. as Dario's Yeah, was. no, it's beautiful. I mean, what do you think? 
Are you drooling? Were you drooling on yourself? Oh, a I was bit? excited. Well, I mean, you look at the report before the game, and it said that Dario Sarge was available, but was limited, <laughs> seen as he had the ankle issue. And then with the ankle issue, you know, in quotations, he does this like step back three. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's fun to watch, yeah, you know. Yeah, as the legend X says in the chat, new nickname, step back Sarge. You know, I mean, he, he's got the <laughs> skills, man. It was just, it was fun to see him play in that capacity and and give us quality minutes as he always does. You know, I really think that Dario does so much for this team that you don't necessarily call out consistently. But the true Suns fans know, like Dario is what makes this team go. Oh, he does. And he has so much respect on this team. And I feel like in the league, too, by just how hard he plays. I mean, we don't have to really talk about it, but he definitely is up there in respect. I feel like from NBA players around the league, you just see it night to night where a lot of people will help him up on the other team and stuff and just give him a pat on the butt. But his play is endless. You you learn and you watch different things from Dario every night that he'll do. I know down low, he's always a presence with that big butt we always talk about, but he does a lot everything else and he's the one guy we was talking about him and crowder the two guys that will shoot the three no matter who is in their face no matter what the score is if they're open of course is going to go up but he's that guy where he's one of the most confident guys on the team he really is and i feel like a lot of these players need to learn a lot from him especially uh deandre yeah they learn how to hustle i mean 13 points five for seven overall uh from the field this evening as somebody just said in the chat, it was the Dario uh, revenge game because, of course, we got him from the, the Minnesota Timberwolves with yep. essentially the Cam Johnson pick for Jarrett Culver, which I think we can both agree. Yeah, that's code uh, code JJM says Sarge had his revenge game. And GW2 King Shaw says Dario is thick as fuck. <laughs> you know, he throws that butt around. That's why seeing him do that step back was just so comical and fun. And, you know, it's just it makes you happy. And that's the fun part about rooting for a team is knowing the team and knowing their personalities and knowing how they play. And when they do those odd and interesting things, it just makes it that much more exciting. And that's, you know, really been fun to watch this season is just the different personalities yeah. and how this team plays and how much fun it is to actually watch winning basketball. It's just, you know, it's it's you can never take it for granted the fact that the Suns went 12 and three in February, like think about that, like 12 and three in February. No, it's beautiful, man. And yeah, they, they are, they're very funny to watch fun at some times, but they're very serious too. Even when they're up by 20 and the, the, the first teamers were on the court, they were still taking Paul was up there. Like, just like, Hey, get back on defense. We guess we'll, we still got three minutes left in this game or four minutes left. Let's not mess around. You know what I mean? No, nah, 110%. Uh, what do you think, you know, as far as Carl Anthony Towns? Okay, so yeah. one thing I loved in this game, and maybe it's, yeah, you know what? Let's just go ahead and let's pop this bad boy real quick. Let's see. Click the button. And- Aiden Watch 2021. <clears throat> so DeAndre Ayton goes up against Carl Anthony Towns, and the first thing that I noticed in this game was how physical he was being with cat he was not letting him get any positioning that he that he wanted and kudos to both frank and and cam johnson and mikhail bridges as well when there were switches and carl anthony towns was on the block they were getting underneath him into his you know his thighs and his hamstrings and trying to push him off the block and he was being annoying to the point where he got a couple offensive fouls in the first half um, but mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, very solid game in a performance against Carl Anthony Towns, one of those premier guys that he gets. You know, the Suns fans are always trying to trade for Carl Anthony Towns to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. This game for DA, 22 and 10 on 9 of 11 shooting, whereas Carl Anthony Towns, 21 and 10 on 7 for 16 mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, tell me about what you thought as it pertains to DeAndre Ayton's performance this evening. I mean, he came out. Very, very aggressive from start to finish. And I don't know if that has a lot to do with the way Cat is perceived around the league. Not soft, but he's just someone that does not play defense. He's a guy that will give up some room and give up some space on the court. Maybe that has something to do with it where DA comes in there and he knows that. Whether or not it is, I don't care. DA came out there and he made sure that his presence was known with Cat. And like you were talking about, a lot of Suns fans do talk about how Cat can be the replacement for DA. And I mean, I might be the same guy saying that stuff sometimes as well. But he was out there. He proved he was a better player tonight just because he was more physical. I guess that's the difference between the two is DA can actually be physical. Cat can try to be, but he just, he can't get there like DA can, right? I mean, DA just proved it tonight with his defense, which was great because, of course, points-wise, he wouldn't really be up there with Booker having such a great night. So I was really watching him on the defensive end, and he wasn't letting Cat have anything he wanted. And then DA on the other side... 
Cat doesn't even put his arms up. Cat doesn't do anything on defense to, to annoy DeAndre. So Aiden had everything easy tonight, and he took advantage of it. So A-plus effort, A-plus-plus effort from Aiden tonight. This was actually one of the best games I feel like he's played. But, you know, just consistency. But I want to ask you really quick, his self-promotion on Twitter, has he been doing this a while? I feel like I keep seeing him on Twitter post a lot of stuff for dominating. Like, I don't know if this is... trying. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's kind of cute. I think it's kind of cool that he's actually doing that. And maybe it kind of helps him get focused and motivated. So I just, I don't know. I want to throw that out there. But yeah, the great game tonight. Something I thought is somebody pointed out on Twitter that I thought was interesting is how is he not verified by Twitter? Like he doesn't have the little blue check mark next to his name on Twitter. Does he not? Okay. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, just kind of side note. But DA, uh, as Joshua Josh 88 says in our chat, Aiden's only weakness is his consistency. And that's, that's a very true statement. I think that's part of the frustration that Suns uh, fans have had with him. And I think that it's it's warranted. But at the same time, like he's such a young player. I really like the way that he performed tonight and, la- you know, the last two games. Like we're starting to get a more consistent stretch again of DeAndre Ayton, much akin to how we had a consistent stretch of four games earlier in the season where he just was truly his moniker dominating that's what he was doing and in this game he was pulling out all the stops he was hitting his jumper he was playing defense he was deterring guys uh he was forcing cat off the block i mean i just i'd love to see that i'd love to see physical date ayton on defense and you'd like to see it translate to the offensive end as as eddie says and i feel like we quote him the whole pod hell we should try to get him on here one of these times um but but he you know he's like he needs to go right back up with the ball and he'll sit there and he'll gather and he'll sit there and wait for a second. And it, it paid off for him, you know, about on two or three baskets. That's how he ended up scoring was he allowed the defenders to come flying by. And then he just went up for an and one op- opportunity. But to see him go against Carl Anthony Towns, uh, I think if they said it was only his second time in his career. And to see him have just a really solid performance on both ends of the floor. And then you see Carl Anthony Town like shooting threes and and not playing defense it reminds you of kind of the difference between the two Uh, shooting threes from a big i get it it's the modern nba but i really like what charles barkley said on the podcast with bill simmons a couple weeks ago and he says it's easier for a guy to try to just shoot threes it doesn't take a lot of effort what you want to see from a big guy is you want to see him down on the block getting physical playing defense and that's what deandre ayton does and although he does have a, a a problem with his consistency offensively he does bring it pretty pretty adamantly on defense on a regular basis and it's nice to see him continue to bring that that force as he plays against the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight you know overall when you talk about and do you have anything else on DA um, just his pump fakes just when he brings the ball down he basically digs a trench sometimes with that pump fake the ball is so low to the ground where he's just digging himself into a well or something but he needs to get over that but that is all I have on DA yeah, and a lot of people in the chat, you know, they're talking about we'd be screwed without him, which is, you know, it's true. I mean, we might an- overanalyze and and talk too much about DA at times because we want the best for him because we think that he should score 22 and 10 every game. I think that's what it comes yeah. down to. It should, it should 22 be. and 10. Every, so, so when he ends with like 16 and 12, we're like, God damn it, that wasn't 22 <laughs> points. Why didn't you dunk, you know? But he is such a defensive anchor to this team, a, a team that is, what, fourth, I believe, overall in, in points given up per game. Uh, it's really valuable to have him. And I think that it's something that this DA. it's valuable to have this DA, this DA. Yes. This DA. There's, I, mean, I know he has multiple personalities. I don't know if he still does that, but there is multiple DAs on the court too, as well. Now, when you look at Carl Anthony towns, he's a guy who GMs used to say that he was number one on their list on players in the league that they would build around. Now, granted it's about yeah. three or four years ago, but what is he now as a player? And what is his future in Minnesota? Because he's got a very hefty contract. It mirrors Devin Booker's. So he'll yeah. be done, I think, at 2025 is when he becomes a free agent. But he makes like $35 million the year before that. What do you do with him? Well, I mean, he'll probably end up on the Warriors or something like that. He'll, he has to end up on another team worth winning. I give him a pass this year with all the death in his family and stuff. And what it reminds me of is... Uh, of course, of course. I mean, when uh, Greg Popovich, his wife passed away... And then, like, he was just, you know, having off a couple years. And I remember Bill Sims used to go off on Popovich. Like, are you sure he's a good coach? Because this year he's not. It's like, dude, his wife just passed away. Like, give these guys some time to grieve. That's what I think. Personally, I think that takes a toll on these players. But team-wise, 
Of course, he needs to be surrounded with better players. They have a pretty decent group there, but I think Cat just needs to get out of Minnesota because who's going to go to Minnesota, really? Who's going to want to go there? We saw the last time with Jimmy Butler, and he just forces himself right back out of there because no one really wants to be there. So I honestly, if I'm going to predict where this guy's going to go and where he can succeed, it's going to be a team like the Warriors. And I, I know you have a Wiseman there too as well, but that's a good trade piece too as well to send back to Minnesota. I'm just... I'm just throwing stuff out there. I think that this that's probably one of the best spots for him. Of course, for anybody is to go to the Warriors, but I just well, don't know I, where else to put him. So so here's what I think about Carl Anthony Towns. And the boogie trend kind of calls out what I what I'm thinking as it pertains to him. You know, D and Cat need time to play together. I think they said on the broadcast what they've played a total of five games together. Yeah, uh, he's been uh, a victim of circumstance. And Det Nibble says it as well. The Wolves front office is a mess. You know, he is a player who has received a max contract. He definitely has the talent. I mean, there's no doubt about that. For his career, his career, he's a 22 and 11 guy. 22.7 points, 11.7 rebounds per game. So he is definitely unbelievably talented. Again, yes, he plays no defense. So you know that the guys that you have to utilize to build around him are guys that have to assist in providing some sense of a defensive front in front of him. Uh, but he will get you the rebounds, and he will get you the points. Unfortunately, that team has just not made the right picks. You know, Jarrett Culver, yeah. giving up Dario Saric, who would be a solid player around him and who had a decent season with them, to get uh, Jarrett Culver and the number 10 pick ultimately wasn't the right pick for them. You know, you look at Anthony Edwards, who we'll talk about here in a second, and you have to question, you know, is that the right pick? You know, of course, on a night like tonight, it makes it look like it is. But in the long run, is it? And I just think that it comes down to, yeah, D'Lo and him needed some time to play together. Uh, but unfortunately, with both of those players, they're just not known for their defensive prowess. So you really have to start to build out a team that has an opportunity to provide, provide some sense of a defense. And then you're playing in the West. So I know that you're big on saying, you know, contracts don't matter. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, his $35 million a year that he's going to be making in like three years, like that's easily easy to trade. But not necessarily. And I, I don't know what his future lies. I, just, I hope for good things for Cat because he's somebody who I do enjoy watching yeah, play. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. But then the whole thing with them playing together, D'Lo and Cat, the only thing is they're not winners yet. You know what I mean? Like Booker has to play with CP3 to, to know what to it learn is to, to win. win. You know, you can't play with these guys who haven't really won unless you're like the Warriors. The Warriors are like the only excuse I can think of of a team that just went from like shit to like the greatest team ever. I just, it, but it's they tough did it, though. They had, those, right? they had those seasons where you had the talent, you had, uh, God, who was, their, who was their coach? I can see his face. Uh, Guys, like Mike, number three all time, oh. Mark Jackson. Mark, Mike Jackson. Yeah, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson. It was Mark, Mark, Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Mark Jackson. But they they struggled. You know, they they yeah. drafted Steph oh, Curry. They built it from the ground up. They took their time. They finally made the playoffs. They got bounced. I mean, so they they showed that you can build it and you can turn it around. But you need to have proper leadership. And it's the same thing that the Suns have been facing for so long. Is Robert Sarver had so much say in the the direction of this organization and allowed us to have a new GM and a new coach. Like it felt like every year there for a while. Definitely a new head coach that you just can't build consistency around these young players and in, in an effort to make them successful. And Carl Anthony Towns is an unbelievably talented uh, individual. Again, you like you said, and I agree with it 100%, you can't hold anything against him this year. The, the tragedy that that man has had to face this season is unsurmountable. And for a young man to try to navigate those feelings and those emotions and still have to go on the professional level and play – uh, you know, kudos to him for everything that he does. But I think that in the long run, the Timberwolves are a team that I've always enjoyed watching, uh, minus the Kevin Garnett years because he was just a Suns killer in my opinion. But I, I root for them. They've got Ricky Rubio. They've got Cat. You know, I just I, I hope for good things for them. Uh, and Edwards as well. Well, and Edwards. So let's let's talk about Edwards. You know, yeah, again, an, another you know solid performance by a rookie. Uh, you know, why do the Suns have such a hard time against rookies as of late? You know, LaMelo Ball had 20 points and eight assists, and Anthony Edwards had 24 points tonight. Do you believe that he was the correct pick at number one overall for the Minnesota Timberwolves? It's tough because LaMelo Ball, I mean, of course, I was very high on him. I thought he was going to be a superstar from the – that's just the one thing I want to own. Like, you know, I thought he was going to be a superstar. So maybe he would be the number one pick. I would have chosen it. I like Edwards a lot. I think Edwards is great. I think his time right now is really fun to watch because he's trying to make – 
his 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 presence known against like teams like Phoenix to where he's gonna hog the ball, he's gonna shoot these crazy threes. You know what I mean? He's he's ready for the big time in a way, but he's not there yet. Of course, IQ wise. So once he gets there, he'll be really good. But I just like his his determination. His he's very strong. He's gonna want to dunk on everybody on the court, and I love that. I love that from that guy, and I think that's something that the the Timberwolves need. But of course, like we we're just talking about with the Warriors, it's like it's gonna take some time and maybe two years or so for him to actually get really good. I mean, that's the way this draft is. I think like everyone needs two or three years, really, especially Wiseman himself. But I mean, do you think it's he was a correct pick? I think it was like a no brainer kind of for the number See, one pick. And and God knows if you go back and you listen to our podcast and you watch our shows, we talked about this draft class at nauseum, seeing as we had what nine yeah. months to to analyze it. And and I don't remember about it. <laughs> and oh, I remember them all. And I think that if you look at from a professional scorer's standpoint, that's what Anthony Edwards was. He was the professional scorer in this draft. If you look at the best playmaker, that was Lamella Ball. If you look at the best big man, that was. Uh, uh, James Wiseman. So it was just a matter of fit. And I think that the reason that they didn't go with Wiseman is obvious. You have Carl Anthony Towns, but it could have been something that they could have used because I think Wiseman has enough of a defensive IQ. Granted, he's barely played in the NBA or in college, mm -hmm. but he has the potential that he would have been a really interesting fit next to Carl Anthony Towns. I'm with you. I think whoever would have chose Lamelo would have got the right pick. And I think that on this team, knowing that they had D'Lo, knowing that they had Rubio, it just didn't make sense. So they picked based on need. And they they decided to choose the most professional score. They're like, we need to score points. And again, not necessarily a really good defensive player. And if we've learned anything this season as Suns fans is the how important it is to play defense. Because we've had teams that in in the last 10 years who have the ability to score. I mean, we've had, you know, with Goran Dragic and Dragic and Eric Bledsoe and Booker and you know some of those teams, they could score points, but they couldn't stop anybody. And mm -hmm. now we have a team that can create stops, and you have De DeAndre Ayton as a defensive anchor, and you have CP3 who's poking the ball away and starting fast breaks going the other way, and Devin Booker stepping up his game. So the importance of defense can't be understated, but when, you're, when you have the number one overall pick, as we know from a couple of seasons ago, you have to go with something that might be more of a fit for your team versus the best overall player. See the 2018 draft. Yeah, but you wouldn't really see any of that this year because a lot of these players are so green. So even yes. Wiseman probably would be good next to Cat. I like that fit too as well. I just I would have liked that too as well. Fart. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, my time is over. As soon as that happens, you cut me off. Nobody heard anything, Matthew. Okay. Well, I'm done talking anyways. <laughs> All right. Um, one thing I noticed, and this is the past couple games, mm -hmm. the Suns aren't very good at zone defense, are we? Do they play zone ever? When they do, we get burned. We I did it against noticed. the Bulls. There was like three consecutive possessions where they played the zone. We were lost. We gave up, I think, two threes and a layup. And then tonight, they dropped back into the zone a couple times. The first thing they did was give up a layup. I was just like, oh, man, we are not very good at the zone defense. And again, as I talk about the importance of defense for this team, mm -hmm. it's one of those areas where we have some growth to do because it's good to have the ability to throw a zone defense at the opposition from time to time. It takes them out of their game and generally confuses them. But we look so confused when we play a zone defense that the other team can score at will. Yeah, I mean, if they're not playing as much, I mean, I, I have a hard time sometimes noticing if they drop into zone. Um, that's just maybe a fault I have. But if they're going to drop into it, I mean, they need they need time on the court to learn, of course, from each other and where to be. And a lot of those layups are just from mis miscommunication. And it does get frustrating. They kind of shorted up... Because last game against the Bulls, they were getting layups left and right. DA, everybody. Like there was no one down there to help. But tonight yeah. kind of shored up a little bit. But they need to stick to what their what their strengths are, just communication on defense. And I think that sometimes they maybe get lazy in that aspect and just, you know, don't call it out. But a DA is very vocal. So I think there's just something that's missing on the defensive end. And people I mean, players are figuring out what to do with DA kind of too, is bringing them out to the perimeter. But I mean they they shorted up tonight. So it was nice to see that. And then, of course, Chris Paul, not the greatest performance, 11 and, you know, again, 15 assists <laughs> yeah. again this game. Uh, but he had like two <laughs> points entering the third quarter. And I know that or the fourth quarter. And you and I were talking uh, before we got on the pod. You're like, what a weird game from CP3, huh? It was weird. What he reminded me of the whole time, there was a bunch of camera shots of him just going back to the bench. And I think it was just towards when the Suns were kind of trying to pull away. But he looked like he got like a page at like when he had a day off of work and he got a page. He had to go in 
and like he had to take care of some stupid stuff at work and then he he's just like come on guys like i i trained you on this for a month and that's how annoyed he looked he just had that annoyed look like why am i playing these many minutes of course that's not how he is probably that's not how he is going to react to the situation of the sun's having a tough time putting away the wolves with in three quarters but i just that's the look he had on his face he's just annoyance like he just wanted to get this one over with it's so funny you say that because it happened to me last Sunday where I literally like I got a call from work. There was something wrong with a couple spreadsheets as it pertains to payroll. And the first thing that goes through your head is Fuck. like, I got to go into work. Like, I'm just pissed about it. And that's yeah, he did kind of uh, have that, that did, look right? on his face because it was a choppy game for the Suns, as we've noted before. It was not the prettiest affair. And although CP3 had those 11 points and those 15 total assists, he also had four turnovers. And so the past couple of games, you know, he's starting to make a little bit of those bad decisions, getting kind of caught up in the air, throwing the ball and and not really knowing where it's going to end up. Kind of, I like to call it the Bledsoe effect, uh, whereas, you know, you know, it is a Bledsoe effect. It, it really is. Everyone knows uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then one other guy I wanted to talk about uh, on yeah. the Minnesota Timberwolves, because we spent a little time on Towns. We talked a little bit about Rubio, obviously. We talked about Edwards. Is this uh, the Jack Taylor Award? For the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. So it wasn't necessarily a shit ton of points, but Jake Lehman. 11 points. Yeah, 11 points on what? (laughs) Five for eight shooting. You know, it's just another one of those guys who you just don't know who he is. And another one of those guys. Let me pop up another another beer. Another one of those, like, I don't know, Matthew Lissy lookalike guys. (laughs) God damn it. Looks just like you. Yeah, it does look just like me, dude. All these guys you always pull up have facial hair, so it's tough <laughs> to work with, John. The best part about that picture of you, Matthew, is the fact that there's a hand around your neck and you can't see where it's coming from. It's just a random yeah. hand. Whose hand is that? Is that probably I, Ashley's hand, right? Probably. <laughs> probably. Look at that. Look. Oh, my God. Even I got the Cowboys. Everyone's probably pissed off about the Cowboys more than how much I don't look like this dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, yes, you're rocking your Jason fan. Witten uh, I don't like it either, jersey. right? I that's hate good, it. That's a good jersey. It's a nice jersey. No, I mean, I hate being a Cowboys fan. That's oh, yeah. No, no. It's I, the that's, worst. I would hate that as well. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> but um, so Jake Lehman, yeah, whatever, you know, as it goes on with him. But then, of course, the guy that we're here to talk about, the guy who saved this game, the guy who probably, unless you think otherwise, gets our... Jam star of the game. Big Dick Devin Armani Booker. What a game for him tonight. Again, 43 overall points on 15 of 26 shooting, 12 for three uh, from 12 yes. of 13 from the free throw line, uh, five rebounds, five assists. Just a, a great performance. When the team needed him, he really stepped up. And that was kind of what you were looking for in this game. In a game that was really mired with mediocrity. You were wondering whether it was going to be CP3 or Devin Booker who really just kind of took the reins and got it under control, and it was Devin Booker tonight. And for me, that is why he is my jam star of the game. Oh, undoubtedly. I think this is just so efficient, man. And what sucks is like that play where I I think it was the end of the half or third quarter where he he had to drive into the end one foul. Same exact play the next play, and they didn't call the foul on him. So he could have had more points. He could have had one more point. He was playing out of his mind tonight, and like we talked about earlier, he just wanted to win this one. He just knew that no one on this on this Wolves team could guard him. He can go around any double team he wants. No one can even stay in front of this guy. Get into the rim, the three pointer, whatever he wanted to do, dude. And look at all, yeah, just so many dicks. That's <laughs> a big dick book, man. Uh, if you're listening, that was sorry, really mom. random. Matthew just sorry, said that out of nowhere. Um, but one of our loyal <laughs> listeners just th- threw up the. Uh, the eggplant emoji and a bunch of sons. Um, yeah. And then 23 points in the third. I mean, I mean, just a phenomenal performance by him. Yes. yes. I'm seeing a couple of uh, shout outs for Deandre Ayton. Cause he did have a solid defensive game. Uh, as Alex says in the chat, D book honorable mention to DA, you know? So, I mean, it's just really, uh, it's great to see him have one of those performances because again, you look from the outside looking in. Okay. We're all NBA fans. When I hop on my phone, I go to the NBA app. That's where I look at my NBA scores. And you don't really go through every game and, and look at the shooting percentages. You look at the final score and you look at kind of who the high scores were because they give you the rebounds, uh, points, and assists. And on in a game like this, you, if you're from the outside looking in, you see Suns win by 
what 19 points. They hold the Minnesota Timberwolves under 100 points when and they have 99. And Devin Booker yeah. has 43 points. You're just like, damn, book is cooking. And from the outside looking in, that's the kind of things that I really like to see. I like to see Devin Booker step up, uh, show up and show out. So it fortifies all the talk recently of you know of him being an all-star because mm-hmm. uh it does. Know, he, he he truly is. And the way that he plays is this is an example of that is him saying, Hey, you know what? This team is not playing well right now. They are not having a solid performance. I'm going to take him. I'm going to put him on my back and I'm going to carry him across the finish line. Mm-hmm. And I like a lot of the offense went through him and DA this game. Uh, Chris Paul, of course had the assist, but I feel like DA was getting the ball a lot and book every possession. They both touched the ball when they were on the floor. I love yes. to see that, man. You, you and me as well. And that's what equates to victories. And again, that's those things, the, the little things that are going to continue to improve and they're going to continue to get better together. And this team is going to continue to gel and, and play very well together. So yes. uh, great performance from uh, Devin Armani book, our Devin Armani booker, our jam star of the game. Guess what? So it's now time for guess what? Uh, we asked these questions on our last podcast. We never remember the answers except for who wins and who loses. Um, but the first one was who is going to have more points, Booker or Carl Anthony Towns? Booker ended obviously with a total of forty-three points, and you had Carl Anthony Towns had a total of twenty-one. So uh, Booker doubled him up, man. He did. I, I might have chose Cat on that one too. Dumbass. So uh, who, who knows? Over or under Minnesota free throw attempts, 14 and a half was the line. Uh, And they ended up having, what, 24. Both teams had 24 points. It didn't feel like a a game where the refs were necessarily overly involved. Is this the opposite of what we're used to? Because as Suns fans, we notice every time a call doesn't go in our favor. Is this one of those games where maybe as a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, you were watching and be like, oh, man, that call was bullshit. It was opposite, but there were some BS calls. I actually kind of noted that the Suns kind of there were some fouls that should have been called for the in the Suns' favor, and there wasn't. So there should have maybe been more. But it was a it was a nice flowing game, dude. Especially when it started being a coming a blowout. But the rest didn't really have too much of their hands on it, right? That's what you uh, think, but then again, yeah, twenty four free throw attempts for the Suns and twenty four for the yeah. the Timberwolves. And kudos to the Suns, twenty three of twenty four from the line tonight. You know, you go back a couple games when we lost to Charlotte. And I think we missed a total of eight free throws in that game on twenty four attempts. So uh, those are the little things that count and equate to victories. So kudos to the Suns there. Uh, who wins, Suns or Wolves? We both said the Suns. So I am now eleven and seven on the season and Matthew you are 13 and five five all right well next up the big one the first time this season the Suns will play at the Los Angeles Lakers on Tuesday 8 p.m. Mountain Mountain Standard Time on TNT Matthew what are you looking for in this game oh man so Lakers finally won a game after losing four straight and what they did I feel like it just slowed it down so I mean, the Suns can outrun this team, which I think they have to. That's what I'm looking for. They need to outrun them, get the fast breaks going, hit those threes, get get open. I mean, even, even if you're open and you, sh- you miss a shot, that's fine. But just keep putting it down the Lakers' throats because LeBron, I don't think he can keep up. The number one player still in the league, I feel like, is LeBron. But even without Anthony Davis, it, I mean, without him, it's totally it's tough for him, right, to get this mm-hmm. team going. So, but it's a slow paced team, the Lakers, if they're going to win the game. So just outrun them. That's really what I'm. I think that's the only thing, right? Kind of just get get past them that way. Well, it's tough because the Lakers. You know, or at least the Suns are a team that doesn't like to get out and run necessarily. You know, we are a team that plays with the second slowest pace in the league, which could potentially play into the Lakers' hands. Uh, obviously, LeBron James is in even in his 18th season is having a fantastic and MVP worthy year. He's averaging 25.7 points per game with 7.9 assists and 8.2 rebounds. I mean, the, he's a man, dude. Um, but then you kind of look at what makes the rest of their team. And, and where do they get their points? And Anthony Davis is out, who averages 22. You have Dennis Schroeder as 14 and a half. Montrez Harrell is 13.9. Kyle Kuzma is 11.1. Uh, then you go into you know KCP. I mean, it really starts to fall off there. But from an overall standpoint, this is the second best defensive team in the league from an opposition points per game. It's 106.1. Uh, they have they average the 19th most points, so they're not the most potent offense. So it's really their defense is going to be that challenge. They have a long defense. Uh, they're physical. 
They have an overall net rating of plus 5.1, which is fifth best in the league. The Suns are uh, currently number four in the league. So, you know, it's going to be a really interesting game and a really interesting clash. And I hate it, but it might come down to how the refs call the game. It might be, right? Um, I know the Suns are slower. I just, I don't know. I think <sighs> it's a good point, though. It's like, you know, yeah, if if, if the Lakers, if you can get out and run some transition fast breaks on this team and try to, you know, outgun them, that's where we're going to have to win the game. You know, this is going to be one of those games where we're going to have to be able to hit our three ball. And it's been absent the past two performances, but we know we can hit them, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be fun for the Lakers to play the Suns. But their last win today, which was against the Warriors, kind of a blowout. Just, you know, they kind of killed them, which is kind of nice going into the next game against the Suns because if they were to lose last game, then it's like, come on, we have to win this game at least. You know, Lakers going into, against the Suns. So I'm kind of glad they won their last game, which was tonight. Well, a question that I asked our Twitter followers today was, uh, you know, as, as we look at the NBA in its totality, who is the team you despise most in the NBA? And 476 Jamsters voted on it, and the Lakers won easily with 53.8%. Spurs were second with 26.3%. The Mavs were third with 10.3%. And then other actually uh, was 9.7%. And everyone who voted for other was essentially saying the Jazz, which I thought was a really interesting answer. So what is your answer to this question and why? Yeah, I'm almost opposite on this one. So I... I hate the Spurs the most, and then I hate the Mavs second. Lakers, I do hate. I, they're right up there, of course. But what sucks for me is I always liked watching Kobe play. So that sucked because I can, unless it's a course against the Suns. If he's playing the Suns, I, I hated watching him. But other than that, I love watching him play. The Spurs and Mavs, I hated watching any of those players play ever because they're just ugly. They look like dog shit. I don't want to watch them play. But then they win, and it just drove me nuts, dude. But the Lakers themselves, now that they have LeBron, I like watching LeBron, but I hate the Lakers. So it's just so in between for me. I, I hate it, man. I struggle with it. But I mean, I mean, this makes sense. I mean, Lakers number one for you? No, no. I think I probably go the same way you do. I think I go Spurs, Mavs, Lakers. And here's kind of the reason why. I'm, I'm an older Suns fan. I'm 38. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Some of the people who were commenting saying the Jazz, they're younger Suns fans, and they're looking at the Jazz as a formidable opponent who's probably around the same timeline as the Phoenix Suns and and looking at them in that capacity. Uh, but going back, I mean, the Suns have had success against the Lakers in the playoffs. Now, going back to when I was a little kid, not necessarily so. The late 80s, uh, the Suns would go up against those Showtime teams and couldn't beat them. And then, you know, I think it was 1990, we swept them out of the playoffs. And it was kind of the end of the Magic Johnson era. Obviously, he came back, got to the finals the next year, and then Michael Jordan dispatched him. But the history we have with the Spurs is so long and so frustrating to me. Uh, I feel like nothing ever goes our way. I feel like the, the refs are working against us. Even going back to last year, I've talked about it. You know, the great Mexico City debacle when the Suns went to Mexico City and had to play the Spurs. We had to play the Spurs and the refs in that game. It just felt like old history. And when we look at the end of this NBA season, the 2020-2021 season, the Suns are going to have to play the San Antonio Spurs twice in San Antonio to end the season. And that could ultimately uh, determine some playoff seating. And it, it could be frustrating if it doesn't go our way. So I just... I. I fuck the Spurs. I hate the Spurs. I hate the Spurs. I mean, there's no other way to put it. The Mavs are a team that's always annoyed me as well because for the same reason, like we've had problems with them in the playoffs in the past. Those those seven seconds or, or less Suns era teams, you might not remember one Jerry Stackhouse, but he's the one who went up for the block and and you know upended Joe Johnson and broke his orbital bone, and that was a team that could have potentially made the finals. And they're so I'm not a big fan of them. And obviously with the Luca stuff, I'm not a big fan of Luca and he will always be linked to DeAndre Ayton fair or not. That's the way it's going to be. And so I'm not a big fan of them. The Lakers are a team that I feel like the majority of Suns, fun, or Suns fans don't like them is because, you know, the Lakers are Hollywood. The Lakers, are one of the biggest teams and cities in the United States. And Phoenix has always kind of been in their shadow, if you will. It's whether we like it or not, it's some sort of complex that we have as Phoenicians to where it's like, yeah, everything's better out here in Phoenix. Like you guys got smog, traffic, property taxes, uh, Newsom's your governor. You've got all these different things working against you, but everybody still, you know, LA still gets all the pub. You come out here to Phoenix, it's beautiful this time of year. It was what, 66 today, 72 tomorrow. It's absolutely gorgeous. All the celebrities, everybody knows that they all got a house up here in Scottsdale, so they know what's going on. But for some reason, we don't get the cred. Uh, the Lakers, though, they haven't broken my heart the way that the Spurs and the Mavs have done. Uh, I see a lot of people, you know, in the chat. They're saying the Celtics. They're saying the Nets. You know, those are really good 
teams. Uh, but again, the Celtics, yes. I mean, 1976, the Suns lost to the Celtics, but I wasn't around for that. That's six years prior to me being born. Uh, but there's just those are teams we don't have to play as much as we have to play these teams in the Western Conference. So the Spurs will always have a special place in my heart of disdain and, and despise. I can never like them. Like, there's a different – the Lakers I've respected. Like you said, Kobe. I respect Kobe. I hated Kobe because of what he did to us at times, but I respected the hell out of him. Uh, LeBron James, I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan, but I respect him. Magic Johnson, I respected those guys. I've never respected the Spurs for the way that they won. I never have. You know, Tim Duncan, I get it, you know, the big fundamental, but big mm-hmm. shot, Rob, hated him. Tony Parker, man, man, managed nobly, managed a nosebleed, yep. as I used to call him. Um, I hated those teams and no respect for them, none. And that's just me. So I'm sorry I went off on that tangent. Uh, but it's, but it's, but that's what we have going in, knowing that going into this game, the majority of our Jamsters, that's the team that they despise the most uh, by a pretty substantial margin is those Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, some more of the guess what questions that we have. Uh, who has more points, Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder? Oh, I'm going to go Paul on this one, man. He has to show up in front of his boy, LeBron. He has to, just like the Nets game where he was going off against uh, KD, even though KD's on the bench, it's like, you know, when, when he's playing against those superstars, he wants to show off. So I'm going to say Paul for sure. I think Paul gets close to 30 in this game. I will go the other way. I'll say Schroeder just because they're going to need him to because he is their third overall best scorer on this team. And the number two overall score is out and is going to be out for quite some time. Um, how about over under 38.5 points from the Lakers bench? And allow me to give you some context to this. As you look at overall bench scoring in the entire league, the Los Angeles Lakers averaged 38.8, which is good for seventh best in the league, whereas the Suns currently averaged 35.3, which is good for 14th best. So the depth, you know, the, the strength of the Suns is our depth. But one thing that the Lakers do have as well two as well is depth. So what do you think over under Lakers bench points? Oh, if it's over the sun's loss, I think it's going to be below because I don't want to predict any or say too much into the future, but I predict the sun's win. So I'm going to say under. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say under as well. Uh, Shout out to Sosage J in the chat. Fuck the Spurs. I love how we uh, we can always agree on that, everybody. <laughs> you you are not a Suns fan unless you know how to say fuck the Spurs. Uh, well, I like what Fabio says in the chat as well. He goes, is this a Damian Jones revenge game? Isn't it funny how the Suns release Damian Jones and he goes over to the Lakers? Like, of course, yeah. why wouldn't he? And he'll probably come out and have like three blocks. You no, know, if he went to the Spurs, it would be even more annoying because the Spurs turned everything the Suns lose, especially um, Devin Fassell, a draft pick we could have had. I bet he'll be an all-star too. So everything the Suns lose, they'll they'll turn to gold. So that's frustrating. Well, if I've learned anything from Matthew over the years is any rookie who comes out and you call an all-star right away, they will not be an all-star. See Josh yeah. Jackson. One guy, Josh Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting, though, to see how – the Suns bench matches up against the Lakers bench because the Suns bench hasn't been playing as solid these past, you know, again, about five games. It's really been the starters who have had to to carry the load and take on the brunt of the offensive scoring output. So I think I'm hoping for under uh, because, if, like you said, if the Suns can hold their bench under 38.5 points, the Suns win the game, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Sorry, here I'm- we go. Who wins? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I picked the Suns. I think without AD, I think a lot of teams can beat the Lakers. Of course, as you saw, four-game losing streak. A lot of these teams, dude, they can beat up the Lakers. Why not the Suns, man? They got to win this one, man. God, I want to pick the Suns, but I also like, you know, you look at the standings, and I'm down two to you. It's like, That's could I use this as an opportunity? I was really hoping you were going to say Lakers, man. I really was hoping you were going to say Lakers in this one. <laughs> records matter <laughs> no it matters to me okay i'm competitive um the boogie trend say, says suns win on the second half of the season john it's a long season all right you can make up these wins later on marijuana says go suns blaze megatron says go, go, the suns divine intentions says suns suns win from the boogie trend blaze says don't do it voida code says suns this is a must win okay i'm going suns yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm going Suns. Okay. No, I'm not making up ground in this one. I'll I'll call the Spurs games the other ways because whenever you play the Spurs, you got to play the fucking refs. So, okay. I think that's I, 
I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I think okay. I can live with that. So, cool. so again, it'll be interesting to see that game. Probably the one game that I've been most excited for since the Suns came out and started playing well. I mean, we started eight and eight, and I was like, ah, oh, crap. Uh, but as we've been playing so much better, again, twelve and three in the month of February. I think the Lakers game is the game that I've been most excited for. So the, you got to tune, got to tune in for that one, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you'll be joining us live once it ends. Uh, we'll be on. We might see if we can get a special guest on here or something, somebody who wants to talk about it with us. Uh, and it'll be really nice if it's a win. If it's not, we won't ask any special guests off or any special guests on if it's a loss because we don't want to just everyone being pissed off at each other. If, if they lose, we'll come on for five minutes, be like, ah, fuck, and then just leave. <laughs> Correct? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I think if they lose, there's only one reaction we fuck. can have. <laughs> so. Um, other than that, I think that does it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Again, thank you. Thank you so much, Suns fans, for joining us. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review if you're listening on the Brightside Podcast Network. Go ahead and visit brightsideofthesun.com to see anything that both Matthew and myself are writing. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Let's see. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. And if you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe. We're so close to 800 subscribers. It'd be fantastic to hit that point at some point in the near future. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And we will see you on Tuesday. Yes, everyone go home and love your family. Thank you, everybody.